0: You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Morning, good morning, good morning, good morning.
1: He ain't touring no more, but you can hear him here every morning at (laughs) 6. Sometimes even before 6.
0: What happened with Poxatani Phil today, do we know? Ponksatani. I, I, I do not know that. Let's see. Did he is that did that happen yet? Sometimes it's already happened. Let's see what uh, happy uh, ground frauds day. Uh, <laughs> that's true for my boy Mark Fincham. I gotta I gotta check my emails for Mark and see if he let's see. He makes his groundhog day. Let's see. All right. We'll see. I don't know. I think this is horrible news from Pennsylvania. Thank you. We'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, happy Groundhog's Day to everybody. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 10th of the Voice, the 33rd annual Groundhog Day show. One of the biggies. A lot of people. This is the one that um, Danny Ekstrom comes out of his hole and listens to the show and says, man, love this Dee Simone guy.
1: They haven't turned it into a gift-giving holiday or a greeting card holiday, so...
0: I like it already. Wild and wacky. Uh, Larson will be at the bottom of the hour. U of A hoops. We'll talk about Jed Fish recruiting classes, maybe some U of A ticket prices. Review an AFC and uh, NFC championship game. Ignore that NBA basketball exists. Um, what else do we got here today? We have uh, female athletes sanding the alarm about trans athletes in women's sports. Uh, We have Democrats regretting purging GOP from committees when they were in the, uh, um, in control of the house. Sure. Uh, We have this great piece from uh, the Washington post uh, about newsrooms that move beyond objectivity can build trust. So let's, that's. Now I, I kinda like it and I'm gonna tell you why.
1: Yeah, I, I know where you're gonna go, so we'll we'll get there. Gonna, I, I know what you're gonna do. It's a known the known quantity thing, I think. You are yeah. correct,
0: sir. You you are correct. Uh thank you, Ed. <laughs> I'll do my Dana Carvey um talking about uh, yeah, sorry, officer, I had two slippery monkeys at the hook and crook. That's Johnny getting pulled over on the on the pch uh 2018 audit found vulnerabilities in TUSD computer system we'll talk about that uh we'll tell you according to this piece on k gun nine by faith abercramby uh how many uh how many times more deadly is it to drive in pima county than any other county in america wait till i get it's a to multiple that number. now yes it is a it is a multiple if we, if we did it in, in, in expressed it in how much percent more dangerous, it's going to blow your mind. Um, let's see. More Scottsdale Unified School District stuff. Uh, Mayorkas, uh, Andy finally did uh, file his uh, articles of impeachment. Uh, the Senate and House in the state of Arizona passed the budget in record time. We'll talk about that. The uh, Republicans want a Dem- uh, bill to allow pregnant drivers to use the HOV lane and some other pregnant, quote, pregnant people also. Uh,
1: <laughs> Sponsored by the GOP.
0: <laughs> thank you. Um, and so we got Larson Schweikert, and then Mark will be here from Games and Gadgets. He was supposed to be here last week, but got uh, he was a little under the weather. So he'll be back for Trivia at uh, 737 we're going to see if we can pull that one off one more time Um, this one I thought of Matt because this is one of his places Uh, AAA named their most favorite romantic restaurants in the west and coming up in that top list was El Corral I saw that (laughs) Now again, you you told me you had a great job at El Corral, great time, and um, the uh, I guess the question is, would you put it in the Do you does it feel romantic to be inside of El Corral? I was there with my baby, so All yeah, right. I, it was okay. By definition, it was <laughs> absolutely. Awesome. All right, I got. I'm just just saying. I I, I thought about you. When this happened, the other one they have in Arizona was the, of course, the different point of view, which is the one at Tapatio Cliffs, which is fine. I mean, it looks at a golf course and some, you know, cruddy-looking hills in the back.
1: Never, never been there, but of course, since it's the name of the point, that was the original name. I don't know if it's still called the point anymore. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure none of them are called the point anymore. But again, old guard,
0: uh, old guard place, right? This one uh, looks like it's. Uh, they still call it the different point of view at the. They're oh, yeah, right. Oh. It's still
1: part of the name of the restaurant. But, yeah, right. one of the older guard has a little bit of a Oh, that's patina. right, because the hotel
0: on the uh, baseline was the point at South Mountain. Sure. That's right. We used to have Rustler's Roost. Yes. Remember it well. I don't it's know still if there, I think. It's still there? Well, Maybe. It, it was a few
1: years ago. Oh, yeah.
0: Not sure if the coronavirus destroyed Rustler's the, Roost. the uh, slide. Rustler's Roost. So you had the slide, the metal slide going mm-hmm. in. I mm-hmm. remember that then um we had uh the uh well looks like yeah R- Awatuki's oldest eatery marks 50 years that was in 2021 okay i think it's there um so i remember so w- when we were visiting from new, new york when we still lived there we went to rustler's roost so for us it was like okay the slide okay then they had rattlesnake on the appetizers Right, I'd forgotten about that, sure. And that was something we're like, whoa, what was that? (laughs) Uh, I remember one time they have this thing on the menu where literally it's called like the Cowboy's Supper or something. It's kind of like a family-style thing, right? So they bring out the big tray, and it's got ribs and, you know, corn on the cob and everything all on one big thing, right? And I said, oh, let's, let's try that. That sounds like something different, right? And then all of a sudden... We start. There's these maniacs that work there, running around. You know the old, the old, the triangle, and they're clanging it, oh, no. right? And I'm going, what, the, what the hell's that, right? Oh, it's because we ordered this thing. So anyone who gets this, like, they run it out to your table. Like, yeah, they're getting the old, the old cowboy dinner, you know? Like, oh my god. I mean, what morons? Oh, it's us. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the meat version of ferals. <laughs> I always remembered also, yeah and and I think they stopped remember all some of these chain restaurants would have everyone sing your birthday song, do we think that was that a good thing did we did we like the everyone singing your birthday? M- me not a fan, yeah, just telling just... you not a fan, all right, we got uh happy out oh, first of all, uh opening day of Rita racetrack is happening on Saturday post time one o'clock. oh, it's happening, it's way happening. Uh, Tomorrow at 7.30, uh, Ed Ackerley will be here. He's the head of the Rideau uh, Foundation. But at the same time, uh, we're going to introduce Mike and Haley, who are two U of A students with the racing program. And our goal is to have students from the program every other Friday to preview what's going on at Rideau. So this guy Mike is like from Jersey or something. And he's like a handicapping guy. So what's funny is when you go to Rito and you're in the paddock watching the horses do their thing, you'll see these two students in the middle with their microphones going, you know, I really like number eight, uh, you know, uh, neely a muck coming out of the, uh, the eight hole, right? That's Mike and Haley. So they'll be here tomorrow and we're going to talk. We're going to talk some horses. And then Monday, of course, is our amazing happy hour at... Games and Gadgets. It's going to be in the Short Rest Tavern in the back, a cozy little medieval s tavern with local wines, craft beer, and meads, and uh, catered by the great Malta Joe. Malta Joe was there yesterday confabbing with Mark on how this is all going to go down. Sweet. At Wake Up Tucson event. Check this out with preparation and forethought. You think if like, was back here, right? That's, not, <laughs> that, crap, that, that, that's uh, that kind of stuff doesn't come from D Simone, that's from pros like Mark and Joe. <laughs> Good stuff. If you can let me know, you're coming at wakeuptucsoncomments at gmail.com. That would be great. A lot of you have done it, I always appreciate that. All right, let's go to we got well, we got to start off. This is one of our uh, one of the traditions and part of the 33, 33rd annual Groundhog Day, and of course, uh, let's visit that fateful day where Phil Connor, Connors was uh, waking up in his uh, air in his B and B in the uh, beautiful town of Punxs- Punx- Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the Wake Up Tucson Show. Opening tune for. Uh, Groundhog Day, the old weatherman opening credits. I like it as Phil's uh, driving from uh, the big the big city to uh, Poxitani in the van. Uh, so uh, the uh, U.S. Oxymoron Association has added a new oxymoron out there. Oh, goody! We've heard of jumbo shrimp, of course. Right? We've heard of um, we've heard of uh, military intelligence. As a lot of our my military friends would say. We've heard, let's see, what are some other good uh, oxymorons here that we have? Um, We got Grow Smaller, right? That's a good one. I like that one. Alone Together. Yikes, yep. Accurate Estimate. That's a good one. Uh, Bittersweet. Uh, Climb Down. Okay. Um. Let's see original copy. Mhm. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh same difference. Seriously funny. Small crowd. Crowd. Virtual reality. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they just added a new one. It's uh this one's a good one. I like this one. Health expert. It's been now been made an oxymoron dedicated to Dr. Christ, Dr. Hines. Dr. Cullen, Dr. Uh, what was the guy? Oh, Dr. England, the guy with that cool ponytail at the beginning of the coronavirus, he's the guy who bailed out cuz he knew this is a lose-lose and let Cullen take over and ruin everybody's lives. So, even Dr. England with that cool ponytail at age uh, 78, he was like he's like I'm out. I'm out. I'm just going to I'm just going to go catalog my uh, Grateful Dead albums and in retirement and have a nice life.
1: COVID vaccine, I guess that that could be another
0: Oh, oxymoron! That's that's a great question. That's really because it's not a vaccine, which we've learned. Um, so, <laughs> Eddie A. sends out this: Hey, didn't we already have a just have a rock and roll hall of fame thing, right? And what's happening is the rock and roll hall of fame would like people to talk about them more, so the nominations now come out earlier, so they can blither blather about it until the fall, right? And. But so my my thing on this, is I, I just a simple letter that I wrote to them yesterday on a Care Bear note card that I had left over. Uh, dear Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, just change your name to the Music Hall of Fame. Stop saying rock. Stop saying that you're all a bunch of bad, bad rockers we're putting in here. Because what's happening is there's not enough Hall of Fame level rockers to put into the thing anymore. So when I look at the people that are nominated, all right, so here's some ones I could say, let's have i can have a discussion about being in the rock and roll hall of fame okay uh, warren zevon i can have a discussion okay it's it's okay i think iron might iron maiden's a yes right i mean heavy metal is a part of rock and they're definitely one of the kings of heavy metal i can have that I, i'm there all right um soundgarden as one of the original grungers. um i can have that discussion Spinners as a uh, influential act, I can have that discussion. But here we go. So you know, I love me my Dolly Parton. Of course, but Dolly Parton should never be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let's just cut the crap.
1: Even she thought she shouldn't be in the
0: Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Actually, I'm mildly. She's like, I'm sure she's like, I'm 70, whatever. I'm just going to go do it. But uh, so you know, Missy Elliott. She's what more pop hip hop, right? I love me my Willie Nelson, right? But Willie's a country act. And Willie's a great songwriter, but I don't think Willie wrote too many rock songs, right? Kate Bush, New Wave, Thank God Stranger Things resurrected her career a little bit here. Eh. I mean, Cindy Lauper for what? I mean, Cyndi Lauper had what three or four good hits in the '80s, and the rock stations
1: at the time were playing them. They had more of a wide open uh, format, even though the music the, is the rock pop.
0: stations were not playing Cyndi Lauper in the '80s. Sure, no. when it first came out, she play uh, she'd be on she would never be on KLPX. She'd be on uh, KRQ. She mm-hmm. was a KRQ in the '80s. Okay, in, in New York, she'd be on Z100. All right, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to agree to disagree. My, Memory may be fuzzy. Is it oxymoron, respectfully disagree? No, I'm just kidding. All right. So, uh, but anyway. With all due respect, that <laughs> means here comes the haymaker. <laughs> George Michael. No. <laughs> George Michael's a pop act. So anyway, I'm not going to, my thing, just change the name to the Hall of Music, Hall of Fame, uh, the Rock, the, the Music Hall of Fame. Let's do that. Stop the stop. Stop the lie. We're okay with that. Let's get uh, Windows XP in before the sports director calls in. Christopher, what's up? Chris, good morning. I posthumously
2: I want to nominate Burrow Lives for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs>
0: Silver and gold, baby. Silver and gold. Hold on, let me let me let me let me talk to the He's in. He's in. I just I just looked over the judges. All all seven. Thumbs up cool goatee and everything you. silver Thank and you, gold sir. silver much gold. thanks
2: okay okay chris <laughs> hey chris i want to recommend an article for everybody to read yes. it's on news, and it's all about the new the new 360 surveillance squad cars that are coming out and buddy boy the the, the, the magic this stuff can do i mean it's eye-opening so my point is, I don't know. I think it's between – I don't know who's going to get us first, Skynet or Ed209 from Robocop. I don't know. I think Ed209 might be taking the lead. you know, when you I got to s- check it out. I mean, it's got – it has three settings, Chris. It's got low, medium, and high, and it won't even explain the settings. It's got BLISS. It's got all these acronyms for what it can do. Facial recognition, and it's 360. Have you pulled it up?
0: I'm looking at it right now.
2: Yeah, it's very... You might want to get someone on to talk about this. but And then you go down in the article, and all of these uh, municipalities are getting it. Sandy, you name it. They're all, like, chomping at the bit to get these cars. So, yeah. Ed 209, buddy.
0: It's... Well, I mean, Crazy. If we, we, we just had the James Bond SUV for Poliskin Acres last week, so why would not have self-driving police cars... We'll stop for police. I don't know if
2: they're autonomous, Chris, but I'm sure they have the capacity. And then, and then the picture at the top, it, it looks like a Pima County Sheriff car. <laughs> I guess they make all the cop cars green now to stay on board with the agenda.
0: The other thing that scares me, I'm trying to remember if it, if it's I keep thinking if it's I keep thinking if it's General Dynamics or Boston Dynamics. One of those has the it's that robot that they show and it hops from stair to stair and platform from platform kind of thing. And yeah. I mean, that's your, there's your red 209, dude. It's, it's coming. So
2: now they say that one could be fake, Chris, because the scaffolding doesn't move. And the thing weighs 800 pounds. Is that called Atlas? I think it has got some weird name.
0: Ah, so you're, you're thinking it's a, the people are saying it's a advanced, uh, advanced, anyway. uh, animation. Yeah. Advanced fakery. Excellent. All right. Well, anyway, it's, it's coming
2: to good work. You, I heard they bulldozed the homeless encampment. It's the word on the street, but I, I I haven't been able to verify. it. Well,
0: it's Gem Show week, buddy. We got You got to bulldoze it now. It'll be back later. Don't worry. Gem Show's over By in ten way, days. Oh, killer ABC
2: movie of the week sometime, Chris. Killdozer. It's a great movie.
0: ABC movie of the week was Killdozer. I used to watch the Planet. Yeah, of, ABC, I used to watch the Planet yeah. of the Apes movies on those days. Yeah. So. All right, Chris. Later, sir. You guys have a great day. God bless. Sports director coming up. We're going to talk U of A hoops, and uh, we'll we'll review what happened in the NFL this past week. And weekend. Phil saw his shadow. Ah, uh, too many lines from 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 Groundhog's Day that I now. My boy Joe Higgins hates Groundhog's Day. I don't know why. So I need to watch it again. I the, when it came out, I
1: was not a fan of it at all. Um, I I get the movie. I get it, and I like it more now but it's been a while since i watched but i when it first came out i just i loathed the movie I'm with i don't you. know why
0: all right we'll, we'll we'll break this down on a psychological breakdown in the, in the third hour <laughs>
1: take take a number my friend
0: let's get to uh let's get to the uh regional vice president of sports directing and information yes ryan Larson. <laughs> ryan good morning buddy Good morning, Chris. How are you? Not too bad. I was very impressed that you came off the bench and played quarterback for the Niners on Sunday. Well played. Good job. You hung in there.
3: Yeah, I did my best. I mean, just all they asked me to do was keep handing the ball off just like (laughs) everybody else. (laughs) Happy to be their, their fifth quarterback of the season.
0: I really wanted to I mean it su- it just sucks. I really wanted to see what Brock Purdy was going to do in that situation. He had this amazing ride and then he's out in the first quarter and then it's over.
3: Yeah, the 49ers have had a great had a great season. I mean, they they lose Trey Lance in their second game of the season who's supposed to be their starter. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in. He goes down at the midway point of the season and then they have to turn to Brock Purdy who was the last pick in the draft. He's a rookie, and they go 8-0 with him as their starter. And it just felt like Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers coach, kept being able to pull rabbits out of hats because of how he kept making these quarterbacks look good, no matter who it was that he he had to try out. But apparently, three quarterbacks is where the magic runs out because once Brock Purdy went down with a a shoulder injury uh, seven minutes into the first quarter of the game against the Eagles, the game was over. It was over for them, but... The 49ers had to trot out Josh Johnson, who was who has been in the league for a while. He's played on 13 different NFL teams. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I, I,
0: one... I, I haven't even heard of him. And then when they were saying he was on 13 different teams, I was like, he must have been third string his entire life, this poor guy.
3: Yeah, exactly. Josh Johnson was not good enough to be the backup for the Broncos this year. That's that's his level of play. The Broncos are terrible at quarterback. And so he he's the 49ers pull him off the practice squad put him in as their second stringer, and then just to add a little insult to injury from the football gods, Josh Johnson gets a concussion in the third quarter, goes out, can't... So he's out, too. So they just have to put Purdy back in, who cannot throw, and just have him hand off the ball for the rest of the game. It was just... This game, there's not a lot to take away from it. The 49ers had no chance the second Purdy got hurt just because you, you can't win games in the NFL if you don't have a quarterback. Yep. And when you and Josh Johnson was not great to begin with but when you have a quarterback who literally cannot throw the ball i mean you're not you're not winning that game against the eagles you're not winning that game against anybody so just a tough tough break for the 49ers Who just bad break after bad break all season they weathered the storm up until this point but th- this was too much even for them
0: so now we have the Chiefs Bengals game which had I think one one bad call for me, and it wasn't the roughing the passer. That I thought that was an obvious roughing the passer. But uh, mm-hmm. you know the one the one out the one out of bounds at the end that set him up for the field goal. The late hit, yeah, yeah. But but since he had two chances to come back uh, down the field and win this thing, and they didn't make it happen either.
3: Yeah, I think you're spot on with that one. There's going to be some a lot of Bengals fans who will gripe about the officiating on this game because a lot of calls went against them. And that's certainly the case that some of the calls were suspect. But Cincinnati could have won this game against the Chiefs. They had multiple opportunities in the fourth quarter when the game was tied and they had the ball where they could have driven down the field, scored to take the lead, and essentially put the game away. And they just couldn't do that. And really what it comes down to is Patrick Mahomes was just he was incredible in this game. Now, if you look at his numbers, they're pretty, pretty standard, pretty pedestrian by Mahomes standards anyway. He had 325 yards, two touchdowns. You know, ho hum Patrick Mahomes game. But just when you look at the context of the Chiefs' offense in this game, it's just so incredibly impressive what Mahomes did because the Chiefs, they could only run the ball for 42 yards in this game. Mahomes had eight of those yards. So basically, Chiefs running backs count for 30 yards. The top the Chiefs top three receivers, not named Travis Kelsey, so like their actual wide receivers, all got injured in this game. That's true. And so they were down to their they were down to their fourth and fifth string receivers. And then after that, Mahomes is still dealing with a high ankle sprain, which most of the time is a three week recovery minimum. And he's playing on it a week after the injury occurred. And so this was the Chiefs' entire offense was on Mahomes' shoulders. He's doing it injured, and he still does enough where he makes enough incredible plays that the Chiefs were able to, to score 23 points and win this game. It was all on Mahomes, and that's why this game was just going to be another defining moment in Mahomes' career just because everything was on his shoulders, and he did it while injured, and he did it so well. Just did not make. He had one weird fumble where he basically dropped the ball while he was trying to throw it, but other than that, he didn't make any real mistakes in this game. And so Mahomes got it done. While Burrow and the Bengals, Burrow, Burrow was good in this game. He had a lot of good throws, but he had two interceptions. One of which was a pretty great play by the defense, but one was totally his fault. And then he got sacked a million times because the Bengals offensive line just could not hold up for another week. And he, so did, he did. He get sacked. Mahomes outplayed him in. Burrow in this game. Yeah, <laughs> he, he got sacked four times in the first quarter. That's not good.
0: The um, so, the one yeah,
3: just won the battle.
0: The one call for me that was just bizarre was the one. It was the th- uh, third down. Uh, they don't make the Chiefs have the ball. They don't make the they don't make the first down. Right? They're they're already trotting out their punt team to punt, mm-hmm. and then the refs like, "Oh yeah, I, I blew the whistle. No one, none of you heard it. We're gonna redo that." And you're like, "Say what? No one heard that except yeah. for you." <laughs>
3: So so the issue that the NFL faces with officiating in the playoffs is that they try to create these all-star officiating groups where they just supposedly reward their best uh, ref- officials by putting them all together to ref these playoff games. And what happens is these crews don't know each other. So they don't have a rhythm down. They don't know how each operates. And it can lead to mistakes like this, which what happened was it was 39 for the Chiefs. They don't convert it. And so the Bengals think that they are forcing the Chiefs to punt, but apparently an official had been trying to blow the whistle before the play even started, and no one heard it because Arrowhead is, like, the loudest stadium in the NFL. And the Bengals are livid because the Ch- officials decide to just give the Chiefs another chance on, fourth, on third down, give them third and nine again, even though they ran an entire play. And the Chiefs, this time around, don't convert it again, but the officials call holding on the Bengals giving the chiefs a free first down. And so basically the chiefs got two chances at third down. They did not convert either, but officiating gave them a first down anyway. And so that's just, it was, it looked bad from the NFL perspective. I get why they did it just because no one could hear the play. You don't want to give the chief. You don't want to run the play, even if you're trying to stop it. And so, it, it looked bad for the, the Bengals. I'm sure the Bengals are extremely upset still about that. But ultimately, the Bengals had their chances, and they did not convert in this game. And that, that's the end result for them.
0: We'll preview Super Bowl next week. Uh, let's talk about Tom Brady. Yes, he retired. We don't have to do a retrospective on his career. We did it the first time we retired. <laughs> what? Tell me what So <laughs> right. So he already signed a deal with Fox Sports to do announcing. Is that what happened?
3: Yeah, he signed a deal sometime last year before he retired the first time where he's going to go and be an announcer for them. The funny thing is, so when Fox signed Brady to, to this deal, the idea was that he was going to become probably their lead game commentator now that they don't have Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. But Fox has stumbled backwards into the best football announcer in the game right now and Greg Olson.
0: He's very good.
3: Is a former, yeah, he's former a former Panthers tight end. And he's now their lead, he's now their lead commentator because he's excellent, just makes great calls on the game, uh, it doesn't just tell you what you can see from watching it, but brings a real insight into the football game. And everyone loves Greg Olson, but now Fox kind of has this conundrum where they send Brady to a lot of money to join their broadcast team, but they actually have someone who's probably going to be better than Brady is, if we're being honest. Like, just because you're a great quarterback, does not mean you're gonna be a great commentator. Like Romo's pretty good, but they tried Drew Brees, and Drew Brees is terrible. And so they they should just stick with Olsen, but now Fox has this funny little conundrum where they're gonna be paying Brady a lot of money either way after signing him to a contract, but people are gonna be upset if they get rid of Greg Olson.
0: But well, uh, anyway, we'll see how that plays out. And then another big thing NFL, then we're gonna break down to U of A hoops, is uh Sean Payton's coming back to coaching uh, for all you uh, long-suffering Broncos fans with your Brock Osweiler T-shirts. Um, so he's coming back for the Broncos, huh?
3: Yeah, Chris. Uh, so as a long-suffering Broncos fan, <laughs> I will tell you I don't have a Brock Osweiler T-shirt, but I'll I'll give you a couple minutes here on my thoughts. So I'll start
0: with the positive. <laughs> Hold on, do you have a uh, – what's my Florida quarterback that played for you guys? The guy who can't uh, – um, the, the Christian kid.
3: The guy who couldn't throw, who, who was left-handed. Who who, but,
0: but, but, he, but, he actually, but he actually won you guys a playoff game against the Steelers. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that
3: Tebow guy. Tebow, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Demarius Thomas won that playoff game. I stand by it. Anyway, <laughs>
0: um,
3: so the positive for the Broncos here is that Payton is a great coach. He's won a Super Bowl. He's known as an offensive mastermind. He's considered a quarterback whisperer because he did great things with Drew Brees. And Russell Wilson is in desperate need of help. He needs a quarterback whisperer because he was terrible this year. And basically, any coach you hire is going to be a massive upgrade over Nathaniel Hackett, who was the worst in-game coach I've ever witnessed in my entire life. So those are the positives for the Broncos. Peyton's a good coach. But I hate the Broncos' process in hiring Sean Payton because I don't think that hiring Sean Payton for the Broncos is going to change anything. And they just gave up a massive haul of draft picks to get him. They gave up a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year for a coach. And yes, Payton is a massive improvement, but they're still playing in the division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. And so the only way that this move really works for the Broncos is if Payton can somehow fix Russell Wilson. And maybe just this last season broke me of watching Russell Wilson play quarterback, but I don't think he's fixable by any coach, really, because Wilson, it's well known that he refuses to run his coach's offense. He's going to run the Russell Wilson offense when he plays quarterback, no matter what his coach is trying to do. I don't know if that's going to change with Sean Payton.
0: I think Sean Payton's pretty much a a hard ass on things, I think. Uh, Another thing is you guys are crappy enough to get a good draft pick to get a quarterback, so that's where you're at.
3: Yeah, well, they, they would have been crappy enough to get a quarterback, but they, they traded that pick to the, oh, Seahawks that's true. Now, the fifth overall pick. They had the, the 49ers pick, which was 29. But that's the thing is you're giving up these picks. The Broncos roster is good, but it's not great. They still have plenty of holes. And you know what's great about most coaches is you don't have to give up draft picks to hire them. They went after the one guy that you have to trade for and give up a first-round pick for, and they give up a lot for him. And so the, this could work out for the Broncos theoretically because Peyton is such a good coach, and maybe they move they go back to where they can be in contention to be like the seventh seed in the playoffs. But you just look at this division; you're playing against the Chiefs, they're in the Super Bowl right now, and then the, the Chargers, who are also going to be good with Justin Herbert for a long time. It's just you gave up two premium ba- draft picks to go from fourth to third in the division, and I just don't love it all around. I'm sure Sean Peyton loves it; he's getting paid twenty million dollars a year. But I, I just don't I don't like the entire Broncos Broncos process. It felt like they were trying to make a splash, and when they didn't get D'Amico Ryan, who went to the Tech. and tech you guys you, you guys got, you,
0: got, you guys need a Enjoy reboot, it. and I think you guys need a reboot. And Peyton has shown that he's a good enough coach to do a reboot, so we'll see. Um, now I want to bring our I want to bring our universes together. Sports director and then Mark, our movie guy, right? So we've done it in the past, mm-hmm. right? Worse worse casting in a movie ever, right, in relation to why is that person playing that person? In Netflix Uh did a movie where it's about Sean Payton coaching his kid's football team, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) Larson, who played Sean Payton in that movie? Kevin James. (laughs) The King of Queens guy playing Sean Payton. (laughs) I
3: have not watched this movie because it's Kevin James playing Sean Payton. (laughs) <laughs> the, the casting makes no sense to me. <laughs> I'm sure. And the funniest part is this movie is like Kevin James went and coached his kids' uh, football team, like middle school football team or whatever. But the reason he's coaching is because he got suspended for Bounty Gate when the <laughs> Saints were paying their players to injure people. <laughs> That's it's not a feel-good story.
0: Daddy, why are you here? Well, they they busted me for paying people to break people's legs on a football team. Oh,
3: (laughs) they're trying to make this this uplifting story with Kevin James, and it just does not seem like it should work.
0: Hold that thought, Dr. Larson. When we come back, we'll get to the University of Arizona's last weekend and what's coming up tonight. They got a home game. I think it's at midnight tonight. Something like that. (laughs) A friend of mine said, hey, I think it's 2 a.m. A friend of mine said, would you like to come? She's got great seats. Do you want to come to the game on Thursday? And I go, what time's the game? I mean, she's like second row, like center, right? And I go and she goes, uh-huh. It's eight thirty. I go, I can't make that.
3: Come on. That's you wouldn't uh, even have to go to bed for the show tomorrow, <laughs> You
0: could just stay up. I'll just I'll just roll just sleep in the car. Next <laughs> yeah. Time. Sleep in the green room here, you know. Or the crazy homeless guy who sleeps in the woods here. We'll do that. that too. So all right, hold on. One more yeah. segment with Larson and US Congressman David Schweikert coming up after that, and then Mark's here with trivia. Wake up. in the morning. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 10-3rd of The Voice, local news and talk. 33rd annual uh, Groundhogs Day show. Very special for a lot of people and groundhogs. Uh, Let's get to our good friend Ryan Larson. He's our sports director, regional vice president of sports information and catering. Welcome back, sir. Thanks, Chris. The University of Arizona uh, is a little bit... uh, they're a little bit of a little bit of a, a roller coaster ride. Uh, these kids, They're number five in the country, but it's been a little mm-hmm. bit of a roller coaster ride. Tell us about the Washington schools last weekend.
3: Yeah, it was a it's an interesting week for Arizona, but ultimately, you know, you go two and a, two and o on the road, and that's a success in the Pac-12. And so the first game against Washington State, Arizona looks pretty poor. They win this game sixty three to fifty eight. And while they led the entire game, they were never able to pull away. Their largest lead was 10 points in the second half, but it was generally a lot closer through, throughout the game. And so Washington Arizona wins this game because Washington State's offense was not good in this game. They barely managed to shoot 32% from the field. The only reason Washington State was able to keep it close and score any points was because they shot 19 free throws. Arizona only shot six in this game. And so this was, this was just a weird game all around in the sense that Balo finished with one point despite playing 24 minutes in this game. Which normally, if Balo is only scoring one points, that's a sign of disaster. That is a sign of disaster for Arizona. They they generally are not capable of withstanding a bad game from either really either Balo or Tubelis, but especially a game where Balo was this bad. But instead, they they saw signs of life from Kirk Reese's shooting stroke. He went five of ten for three, and that was absolutely huge for the Wildcats. They def- desperately needed that contribution from him. And then Tubalus, as usual, as he's been for the last couple of weeks, he had a strong game. He had 18 points. And so, overall, Arizona was probably fortunate that Washington State struggled as much as they did on offense. But for whatever reason, the Cougars have just given the Wildcats fits this season. I think if Arizona in the Pac-12 tournament wants to avoid any team in the early rounds, it's probably Washington State at this point. So it's because they demolished them at home and then gave them, gave them another tough game. And so... It's good Arizona got out of there with a win. I mean, Washington State is probably the best, like, I think they're 10 and 12 team, They're 10 and 12, they're the best 10 and 12 team in the country just because they keep playing teams tough in the Pac-12, but they never managed to win the game somehow. So that's, that's a good win for Arizona. I'll give them that. And then they followed it up by crushing Washington. And that, that's really what you want to see from the Wildcats at this point. It's really their first comfortable blowout win on the road in conference play. And so that, that was good for the Wildcats. They go out and win by 23. Of course, you can note that they only led by two at halftime before demolishing the Huskies and outscoring them by 21 in the second half. But we see this game against Washington. We saw what Arizona can be what, when they're at their best on offense because the team shot 42% from three. They had great shooting games from Creason and Ramey, which just opened things up completely for Tubelas and Ballo. You look at Bala, who had that terrible game against Washington State. He went 9-9 from the field in this game. He didn't miss a shot. It was so easy for him. He had 21 points. And Tubelis as well, had 25 on his own. And so we just see what Arizona's offense, when it functions like this, this is how the Wildcats can beat anybody. When, it comes, when we get to March, this is how the Wildcats are going to have to be a threat, is if they get actual three-point shooting from their guards, if they open up the floor so that Ballo and Sibelius can operate in some space rather than just being having the paint completely clogged, Arizona's offense can function well and they can they can be threats to beat anybody or to put up 95 on anybody. And that's what you want to see from them going forward is you want to see Creason and Ramsey shooting better. You want to see you want to see them making life better for, for Ball and Tubellas rather than it just having to be a bailout moment where they toss the ball to Ball or, or Tubellas in the paint and say, please find a way to score for us, even though two guys are guarding you right now. So this was good to see from Arizona as they transition into the Oregon schools this week.
0: So now we have the Oregon schools at home. And, of course, the U of A seems to have, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, frustrating ability to play down to their opponents. Is this one of those... <laughs> possible trap weekends that they got to be really careful and go out there and smash these two?
3: So, for Oregon State, I would say no, that's not a trap game on Saturday because Oregon State is terrible and they're one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. Even if Arizona plays poorly, they should still win by double digits. Now, for Oregon, if we remember less than three weeks ago, Oregon demolished the Wildcats from eugene yep and in that game arizona showed little effort on defense they got crushed in rebounding and their own offense struggled against oregon's physical defense and so the question for oregon is they've been the most inconsistent team in the pac-12 you just look at their last three games that they've played since beating the wildcats they lose to stanford who is they're worse than oregon state they're they're, they might be the worst team in the pac-12 besides cal then they barely beat a Colorado team that's pretty been, been pretty mediocre. And then they demolish Utah in Salt Lake. And Utah, before this week, was second in the Pac-12. And so this Oregon team, when they play right, when they show effort and they're consistent, they can be anybody, as we saw when they crushed Arizona. But they also have the capacity to just play the worst game you'll ever see from a team this talented. And so I don't know what we're going to get from Oregon, but we know that the Wildcats against Oregon the first week, they had no answer for Oregon's physicality. In Folly Dante, Oregon Center just crushed them the entire game. And then the guards couldn't keep up with some of the speed that Oregon's guards like Jumaine Kuznard had. And so Arizona needs to come out, and they, this is the trap game. They need to they can't assume because they're at home they're going to win this game this time around. They need to come out, and they need to put in the effort because Oregon can beat them. We've already seen that. And if Oregon plays well, they they can hang with the Wildcats, even if the Wildcats play well, too. So this is gonna be a tough game. Arizona needs to be ready for it.
0: So being number five, who are the four teams above us in the uh, in the rankings right now?
3: So the unanimous number one overall right now that's Purdue. Purdue's number one overall. Number two is uh, uh shoot what the number two team right now that we have in front of Arizona, I just lost my notes on this one. and so ahead of them we have okay, Alabama, who just got smoked by Oklahoma. They're down to they're down number four. They were number two before this week. Number two is Tennessee, who got crushed by Florida last night. And then Houston is number number three. And they just recently lost to Temple. So ahead of Arizona, outside of Purdue, all the other teams ahead of them aren't playing great either. And so there's been a lot of consistency at the top. Purdue deserves to be unanimous number one. But for Arizona, being a one seed and a trip to the Final Four are very much in place still. Because you look at the other teams that have been really good, they, they, they're still struggling as well. They're losing to bad teams right now. And so Arizona could make a run to the point where they, they finish the season ranked number two, provided they win out, of course. But so, you know, and That was my question, right? So count- they have
0: a solid shot of being a uh, top seed of a uh, bracket coming up in March if they don't Yeah, they it.
3: absolutely do. And talent-wise, they match up with anybody still. When, they, when they're right, Arizona matches up with any of the other teams in the top five.
0: Awesome. Great job as always, sporting director. We'll see you next week for Super Bowl preview.
3: Thanks, Chris. Great talking to you. Looking forward to talking Super Bowl next week.
0: You got it, my friend. Have a good day. You too. U.S. Congressman David Schweikert coming up next. We'll talk about his last two grumpy uh, floor speeches that were just amazing. Wake up.